Yo, 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 what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Diet Starts Monday podcast, and we are in a new location. The location will be told to you on our socials, but we have moved today out of 21 Queen. It is now a distant memory. I am sitting here still with my two co-hosts, Ryan and Jay. What's up? What's going on? What's up? And we have a guest here today with us, Roger. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, guys. Great to be here. Sorry that it's been a bit... Uh, chaotic. Chaotic. Yeah. yeah. Broken hand and all. Yeah, how did you break your hand? Fell off a mountain bike. Oh, wow. Downhill or just like uh, yeah, cross stupid, country? Stupid, just silly, man. Yeah. I'm always really careful, but, um, you know, before going on shoots and things, but yeah, just snagged something, went down. Yeah, yeah well, okay. That's crazy. So, mm. Do you just mountain bike for training purposes or? Yeah, pleasure, um, training. Yeah. Out here on the Cape, Cape Mountain. Yeah, Table Mountain. I'm not mad on the road. Eh? Yeah, me so neither. Yeah. Uh, we're we big on the road. But I've kind of been, um, I started training for triathlon. Okay. So oh, nice. I bought a, a, kick, a, a kicker, you know, like a... Uh, an indoor wow. trainer, indoor yeah. trainer. Oh, yeah, nice. I love that thing, man. Oh, Just really? Like, no, it's incredible. Do you some do like a one-hour session. Yeah, it's on the numbers. Yeah, what, that is uh, true. What triathlon? Well, I, I want to do sprints, sprint triathlons. Oh, okay. okay. So I did one in uh, Blue Lagoon. Which was pretty cool. Yeah, oh, that was recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that was nice. Yeah. Slowly easy. I heard that hill's quite a challenge going up and down. The running. Yeah, not really, but easy. I mean, it's just because triathletes don't run up hills. Yeah, they hate it. Flat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know, but we actually did the half Ironman. Oh wow! Yeah, we did the we did the muscle bay last year. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Duncan, my friend, he's yeah, he the guy who lives actually just down here. He's okay. he's training for the. He did that as well. Okay, the muscle bay. He's doing the PE in April. Yeah, he's doing PE in April, and then um, yeah, I think he might try to go to Worlds I mean he's, oh, wow. he's doing Jeez. Grandmasters so he's is he he's doing strong. the full in April no the half, the half okay yeah. nice cool yeah. sure he must be a beast if he's going for Worlds yeah oh, he's a machine eh? is that the one in Hawaii Kona yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been out there while I was on for Worlds it was sick yeah it's a nice track but it's a difficult track it's uh, it's an interesting track. Um, it's hot out there. Yeah. I mean, when Kona, I ran Hawaii. Kona, Hawaii, when yeah. I ran, I did a half marathon there. It was thirty-eight degrees and the wow. humidity was ninety-five percent. So it was that must be unbearable. hectic. That's crazy. No, I nearly pegged. <laughs> sure. I, said, I still got in the ocean with my flipping AirPods and everything, and I just swam. Within ten minutes later, I realized I was still in my pocket. So, yeah. That's horrible. Cool, so let's introduce our guest for today. Um, there's so much to unpack, but I'm going to try to do a, a little bit of a summary. So he's one of the leading underwater cinematographers in the world. Uh, he was born in KwaZulu-Natal. He was the head boy of DHS. He then got a scholarship to the University of Texas for athletics, where due to an injury he had to return and studied at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, doing a BA in law and doing his honors in philosophy. He then joined the corporate world, working as the managing director for Ogilvy for two years. Okay. He then joined Old Mutual. Were you headhunted or did you join it? No, it was actually um, one of the people I worked with at, at Ogilvy moved there. And then through that, I got the, the job. Yeah, I kind of kind of headhunted. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he joined Old Mutual as an executive director. Where he worked there for five years. Not satisfied, he then changed his career path and started filming underwater cinematographer, not knowing at the time it was just a passion for free diving, the love for the ocean that drove him to this new found career. This new career would take him all over the world and be a part of some incredible projects such as Our Oceans, Our Planet, Blue Planet 2, Into the Dragon's Lair and the very popular Octopus Teacher. 
He's won BAFTA and Panda Awards for his roles in the cinematography. He's also completed some extreme endurance challenges, which we can touch on in more depth during the podcast. And there's so many more things that I can add, but let's jump in and hear it from the man himself. What a pleasure to have Jeez. you here. That's an intro. Thank you. I can guarantee you that's Smashed the longest it. intro we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. I've so much out. That's Raji's, the part. Raji's uh, old stepdad as well. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Most important part. Stepdad, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. where do we start at the beginning? Where did you grow up? KZN. KZN. I'm also Durban. 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 Tell us a little bit about your life then. Yeah. So I was actually born in Maritzburg. My dad still is actually an Anglican priest. So I was born in Michael House, funny enough. Okay. Well, I mean, my dad was working in Michael And then, yeah, we kind of moved to Toti. Um, sorry, I'm not banging the table. No, no, no. <laughs> we get excited. Um, moved to, to Mams and Toti. And then I ended up at DHS. Um, and, yeah, I guess growing up, you know, I was also, you know, very close to the ocean. My dad was a spear fisherman, so I had a sense of that ocean there. But, I mean, it was just such a fundamental part of, you know, growing up. Yeah. Um, moved to Durban when it started six, so it started seven at DHS, and um, oh, I had a great time there. You know, I was very into athletics and sport, a lot of uh, swimming, um, academics, and then you know at that kind of stage, it's like, well, you get into matric, and it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And it's like everyone's asking you, what are you going to do? And it's such a tough thing to answer. I think it's. I mean, it's was maybe even tougher then but then it was really if you if you had any kind of academic record it was like lawyer doctor accountant engineer yeah the standard stuff yeah yeah sort of you know i mean there was no internet you know it didn't yeah. exist copy and paste yeah yeah so i was just like well i'm good at history and english so let me let me study law um and i mean just jump in because this is quite long-winded if you want it yeah direct or whatever but yeah, so I studied, you know, I went to university, I um, was very into my track and field, I studied law and philosophy, and then the plan was to do my LLB and become an attorney. Yeah. And I remember, like, my dad had an attorney friend, I remember going around and, like, just looking, just thinking, I don't know, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. And at the time, that's when I got the scholarship to America, so I went across to, it's actually Texas A&M, yeah, which te- is... Okay, you know, Texas A&M. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was... I was running really well. I was quite close to qualifying for Olympics. Oh, wow. But we couldn't go to Olympics because we were still in the apartheid era. Oh, wow. So that was pre-94, right? Okay. So, so you got the scholarship for track and field? Got the scholarship for track and field. But okay. unfortunately, the coach, it just like didn't work for me. My Achilles injury flared up. That's what I remember. So I spent like a year there and then, then kind of came back and then just absolutely got besotted with spearfishing. So... I mean, that's all I wanted to do, you know. So I decided I'm either going to go and do Navy divers. So I actually almost signed up for permanent force Navy divers because by that stage, that was 94, you didn't have to go to the Army anymore. Okay. Yeah, there's no more contraption. But you know what it's like when you don't have a plan? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. You know everyone asks you, what are you going to do? And you're like, oh, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Navy divers, so I'm going to do this. And you're doing a bit of modeling as well on the side just to, like, make some pay some bills? Yeah, that, that was quite a funny story because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, yeah, live, yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> It's a funny story because um, uh, Terry Scott, who owns like quite a, you know, he's a hairdresser and his son actually works works down here. So he, I went to have my haircut there and he got me into a bit of modeling and Mitch was my partner in the boat. So we ended up buying a little boat together, the Copper Blue. It's a small little like 11 foot ski view with a 30 on the back. 
Sure. I mean, that thing was like a yeah. motorized surfboard. And, uh, <laughs> Size of this table. With it, yeah, we used, to go to, we used to go and spearfish all day and then rock up at modeling castings with like these massive face masks on her. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, but yeah, I did a bit of that. And I mean, you hustle, you know, you do a bit of yeah. this. I worked at the Tota, waited, you know, you mm. did all that kind of stuff. Um, but the spearfishing was the big thing. And I it basically just started spearfishing like almost full time and then, then decided to do a philosophy master's um, and my plan was when the weather's good, I'll spearfish, spearfish and yeah. when it's not good, I'll do philosophy. And of course the weather's always pretty good in Durban, yeah. so I never got my degree. And, um, yeah, eventually I realized like all my friends were becoming doctors and lawyers and they're all qualifying and they were doing stuff and I, I can't do this anymore. So I actually got work at a digital small sort of nascent digital agency called MediaTek okay. and they were teaching desktop publishing at the time so that was and multimedia so this was before the internet this yeah. was yeah. like 94 sorry no this was about yeah 96 okay okay yeah. so got a job there and because of my lecturing I'd done a bit of lecturing at university and that they asked me to develop this multimedia course which I did and that was like macromedia director authorware 3D animation it was all that nascent early software wow, wow. Um, oh, and, and that gave me an incredible grounding in digital technology. Yeah. Um, and then after three years of teaching, I got, you know, I wanted to get more into the commercial space. So I managed to get a, get a job um, with Armadillo, who were acquired by Ogilvy. And that's how I came down to Cape Town to set up their kind of digital agency. Yeah. Okay. And we drove that for sort of three years. I mean, that was crazy, like doing ad banners for Volkswagen, building Volkswagen's early websites. Um, so it's almost like a bit of marketing media that type of no very early, much digital yeah. marketing yeah, yeah like yeah. all in the early days like just like yeah pre but, before the boom of but it. just before that did you not set the record for Cosmonautal for like one of the deepest longest holding a breast yeah what, like a free dive yeah no there was no like, when I was spearfishing um, I, I was at a comp and I did like a forty two meter dive with my spear gun which was pretty deep at the Four, time forty two meter. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. Just a deep. Deep. Yeah, you could hold your breath for like almost like five, six minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so anyone it can crazy. do it. If did, I was going to say, did you learn that or did it come well, like naturally? Just, did you have to train yourself for that type of reason? Yeah, you, I mean, when you spearfish, you're spearfishing for so sort of a practice. You know, it's, yeah, it's like, and it's also more about how quick you can get down, how, you know, so like in a comp, you'd be doing, you'd literally be doing 130 down, one minute up, 130 down, one minute up, you know, on a sustained hunt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the freediving, I, I sort of did a bit of that training later, and that, that's where you do, you know, breath hold stuff on the couch and you do all that kind of stuff, and then competition. So it's slightly different. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. How do the comps work for um, the fishing? The under for spearing, I mean, it yeah, depends where you are, but in South Africa, it might have changed, but it's generally you're allowed two per species, and there's like a minimum weight that but, you're allowed that actually weighs. And there's also a max weight. So if you shoot a marlin, you're not. You know, you only get six points. <laughs> no, no, whereas, whereas at Worlds, if you go to Worlds, it's just weight. So you can either shoot one big fish or you can shoot like 200 small fish okay. oh, wow. and win the comp. Different species and all. Different story. And in Derbs, what are you mainly spearing down there? Or up there, should I say? It's a lot of, I mean, you, you, you know, you're spearing cuda and like queen mackerel and then you're shooting certain bottoms that, you know, that are, that you can sell, that are popular. So, okay. yeah, because I was out in Mozam, <clears throat> excuse me, last year with a mate. He loves to spearfish, and I was new to the spearfishing thing. And he was like, I watched him go down, also a minute and a half to one minute 45 holding breath. And he was shooting king, king mackerel. Um, it was just so much versus Ian. Yeah, 
Uh, so yeah. wild to watch, bro. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy when they get one on and they were still sharks cruising around. It was I was a bit scared of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I've done a lot of work with sharks and I, I don't had know, some close calls. Yeah, I mean, spearfishing primarily because they get so worked up, you know. About the blood and the water. Yeah, they get like fully revved up. That's crazy. Because yeah, you're like reeling the thing in and they're just going for it. Yeah. Oh, so they're going yeah. for your catch. Yeah. They go for your catch and then they can mistake they can mistake you your foot. Guys have been bitten like that. Okay. Um, oh, it's but it's such a, it's such a, um, if you think about it, like you're going back into an archaic world that has no oh, visible yeah. signs yeah. of humanity. I mean, obviously there's less fish, but if you get into the right situation, it's, it's, and you know what the incredible thing is? You never once think about above water. When you're down there? Never. What like, do you mean by that? So, so you lose, so in other words, uh, it's like med- deep meditation. You do not think, you might be having the worst time, you might be <laughs> worst relationship, worst this, worst that, yeah. or the best time. And you, it's amazing when you put your head under the water and you, you just... Switch off almost. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, it's got a little so bit of dialed in and yeah. focused. Yeah, it's, it's so actually a wonderful experience. Nice. Okay, so and then Ogilvy, so you came to the media in Cape Town. Is that when we moved down? Yeah, so I moved down to sort of set up Armadillo and then the guys from Durban moved down and we sort of rebranded as Ogilvy Interactive. So that was the really early days of digital marketing. Yeah. Um, and it was great. I mean, I loved being a pioneer. I loved sort of pioneering new technology. Um, and then was effectively, you know, moved across to, you know, I was kind of beguiled by the, the corporate, you know, good salary. Mm. And it's, it's you, you, know, you and, get comfortable. Well, the thing is, it's like, you know, it's, it appeals to you. You know, you've, you, 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 it's just this big organization, Fortune 500 company, you have all these benefits. Um, and you do, you meet incredible people. You know, I loved the people that I worked with. It was very challenging. Um, we were launching a basically a fun supermarket so like a like a schwab you know i got to travel overseas with peter finney my boss at the time we went to all the you know unit trust companies in the u.s that were doing a similar thing and then we essentially replicated that model here but it just wasn't it was a direct place it wasn't it wasn't optimal you know in this kind of environment which is very intermediary led and how long were you in the in that industry for so I was worked on basically after that. I kind of that was for two years, and then I moved into strategy facilitation. So that was like five years. So it was about a ten-year kind of corporate, corporate journey. Stint, yeah. Yeah. Corporate journey. Yeah. Um, but at this time, you were doing a bit of like ad- adventure races, ad- endurance type of uh, events, if I can remember. Like I think yeah, like I still remember that picture of us on the on the, when I was training at Long Beach. There, yes. it looked like snow. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was another great benefit of corporate was that you know you you've got your nine to five or your eight to five or whatever, and you, you sort of can work around that. So I got quite heavily into adventure racing, um, I paddling. I did the, 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 the new marathon. I'd love to do doozy. That's what I'm hoping my, I can fix my legs. I'm going to do doozy. Man. Oh, really? Do my dad's mate just did his 50th. Sure. I actually read about that. Actually yeah. read about that. Yeah. Okay. My dad's done a few. Your dad's done a few. The berg, yeah. the fish. He was into it as well Big between time. the ages of thirty. What, and what was that one you did overnight? Where you were like a loose Yeah. So that was that was a that was an that was the the desert challenge, the Namibian desert challenge. Okay. And basically, it was like a solo. Um, it was a twenty k run on the beach, like a like a six k paddle, um, then another. It was like a three-hour, six-hour June walk. Yeah. 
then a mountain bike, like a six-hour mountain bike. Okay. And then we did this 80-kilometer hike in the Khan Valley. Sure. So, comrades. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. And I tell you, I, I mean, it, was, it took me, I think that led to... Is this the multi-stage five-day race? That's, is this it? Yeah, was this something else? This one was 40... Yeah, that's the one. It's 42, 44, 43, 58, 35. Total 222 kilometers. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the one. Slugging your soft clothes. The soft So you're just Daddy going full on 20, for five days? No, it's, it's, you've got 48 hours. You've got basically 48 hours to finish it. And um, yeah, I remember there was a thing, Ryan, because I was training like, that's why I went to train on the sand with yeah. you guys. Cause, uh, cause, you know, the beach. I, I, yeah. But I mean, that killed me. My, my, you can imagine your muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Soft yeah. Sand. The calves yeah. must be killing you. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Is that why you're struggling? You mentioned that you had a problem with your legs for the doozy. No, that was Achilles injury from hurdling. I was a 400 hurdler, so that was my... Okay, we've got to keep up with all these yeah. different things. Yeah. With, <laughs> oh, the field and track. Yeah. That was track, track and field. Track yeah. and field. Okay, field I mean, I'm, I'm a sprinter. I always say, like, I'm a racehorse, not a car horse. But, okay. you know, I have massive respect for the distance. I mean, these Endure. guys... Are the just, ultra guys. Geez, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Next level. Like Rich Roll and them, bro, they do some crazy distances. Jesus. Yeah, my friend. Courtney DeWalter. Yeah. Yeah. Dog. That's amazing. Moab 240. Sure, miles. Yeah, Greg and them did that hundred k as well overnight, and a little bit of hallucinations and through the Cedarburg. That, that was, I mean, that was the thing. Is you, you, you know, I did a few others as well, and and that is, I'm convinced that's where all mythology comes from because you, you like you're walking and you start, you see like this little troll with an axe come out. And I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not shitting you. No, it's like <laughs> I remember you saying that. Yeah, totally hallucinate. It's like the craziest thing. Yeah, and Just, how does it? How do you like keep moving when you're hallucinating and this is going through your mind? Your legs just they just work. No, I mean you 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 just you know you're pushing and you but just that that deep that deep tiredness creates hallucination. I mean I remember on the one one we did with the old mutual team, the guy was a recce. He was an ex recce, and I mean he I remember him. He's walking in front of me. He fell asleep and fell in the bush. Oh wow! So <laughs> just fell over. Just fell over. Yeah. <laughs> you woke up, but I mean yeah. He just fell asleep. What if he was by himself? I suppose just wake up. Yeah, yeah I suppose. As long as you don't hit your head or anything, I guess. Yeah, dangerous. I yeah. mean, do you know, um, it's not that well-known in South Africa, Mike Horn. Yeah, I know Mike Horn. No, dude, that oak. Dude. What a legend. Yeah, such a legend. He's, he's a South African. But Basically, he's, he's like French-African, right? Well, no, he's proper South African, but he moved to France or Belgium. Yeah, he's got two daughters. Yeah. He's, out, he's out in Greenland a lot. Is that who you're going to go see now? No, no, no. I'm going to just go and film Wales. But yeah, he, that guy, you must... Follow up on that. Oh, I read his book. Cool. Next level, man. Really? No, he's circumnavigated the equator. Nice. No, I mean, oh, he's proper. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, he's like this, this is, is the, the oh, check it out. Check that picture. I think he's the greatest living explorer. He reminds me a bit of Sir uh, Sir Ronald Fiennes. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Who's your thirteen uh, reasons why he is the summit. ultimate explorer? No, bro, that's, that's, that's quite a name, my bro. Sure. Um, no, no, so legend. I read the book on um, the South Africans that did the Transatlantic, yeah, okay. um, the eighth eighth summit. I don't know if you read the book. No. Two South African guys, average Joes, entered this transatlantic four thousand rowboat, like okay, seven yeah, yeah, rowboat. Yeah, 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 another one. They were like projected to come last. Yeah, but they won it. They, they paddled uh, 90 minutes on, 90 minutes, 90 off. minutes off Every day. for 52 days straight. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. How crazy is that? That is nuts. It gives me chills, my So, bro. I mean, he, I, heard, I heard him talk in Cape Town. There was this, he tells a story about, he's, he, he's the only man alive who walked into the Amazon jungle on the one side and came out the other side because now he's tracking latitude zero, right? Oh, uh, yeah. And the guy says, don't you get bored? 
like he says, no, no, no. So when I'm walking, if I see a tree, I go this way. The next tree, I go that way. The next one, I go because if I if I go if I keep going right, I'll go in a circle. Oh wow! And he said the other thing is, if you hear the jungle go quiet, you've got to keep looking for a tree that is that size. Why? Because if the jungle goes quiet, you've got to climb that tree. Because a jaguar can't climb. Because a jaguar climbs a tree like this. Oh, so wow. he's constantly looking for... So the smaller the tree, the better. Just the right the, size. Uh, not too small so okay. that he can't get up it, but it mustn't be too big that, you know what I mean? Like the jack can get up Oh, because they, they crip like that. No, they, oh, they, no, no, they, they put their arms around. So it, oh, so. That was like bear hug the tree. So uh, you're the jaguars are yeah. hectic animals, bro. Yeah. So you just take out the caiman and like they're, they're swimming as nuts. I did see that actually. That's so you think it's quiet because all the other animals are like freaked out? Yeah, yeah they know, they know. Monkeys are ballet ring, bro. That's crazy. So that's interesting that you made the transition from sprinter to sort of adventure endurance well what took you through to well make- i think it was just partly you know i mean i couldn't run anymore so there was that issue and yeah. then you know all your colleagues are and it's cool i mean cycling is really great like yeah. i mean i would have actually done the first um i would have actually done the first epic okay because i was at the double century and yeah. i trained up for all of those i remember that we've done yeah. dc as well um but then what happened was in, in you know, and, and again, if I look back, this was all this like quest for adventure, right? Yeah. So you, you know, you're compensating for, well, not compensating, but you, you have this quest for adventure, but you know, you're, you have to do you're working in an office. Yeah. Yeah. So I came up with this idea called marine trekking, in fact, inspired by Mark Horn. So what we did was we pulled, um, went up to Mozambique. You know, remember Ponta? Yes. But we went up to Hell's Gate, which is like the top of that archipelago. And we swam 100 k's pulling sleds in the water. So the two of us, an unassisted expedition. Sure. Yeah. Mitch Rankin and I. So that was my, my part. You actually came up and helped me on the okay. the thing. So, you know, it was just, yeah, just this hunger Seeking for, for adventure. Yeah. adventure and, yeah. and that was a phenomenal thing. So we'd spearfish, we'd, we'd literally pull the sleds. And then we'd paddle a bit if we needed to come up. Then we'd come ashore and then sleep on the beach. Okay, sure. That's so oh, cool. Sounds so cool. sick. But yeah. did, the, did the, 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 the sense of adventure, was that instilled from you kind of from a young age? Or did it, was it birthed out of like this, you know, being a corporate and like let, let loose? No, definitely a young age. I mean, young age, Because no, of being sure. like KZN based and oh, the ocean around. I mean, spearfishing. And, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, we used to go to the Transcar, like. Every holiday we'd go down. I mean, mm. we did some trips there. I love the Trotsky. Trotsky, man. It's still yeah. my favorite place in the whole world. Yeah. So, I've never been. Untouched. Just yeah. natural. Yeah. And also, I mean, you know, when we, I mean, I look at like kids now. I mean, I swam mid my mile when I was eight. Yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, that's we, great. Just, we just did. I mean, when we went to the Transcar, we were left alone. We could go running on the, you know, you yeah, just, yeah, yeah. everything is Outside, so yeah. it's hectic. Compressed. Did you ever do the Robin Island swim? No, but I'm doing it in April. Oh, oh wow. Sick. Oh. I would say I'll join you, but I'll be in London. I want to join. <laughs> we've been, try- we've yeah, been well, eyeing it out. We've been wanting yeah, to Yeah, we've been eyeing it out. What we must do is um, I've got a boat, about eight meter rib, so okay. it's like any time. And uh, we must just organize it, you know, Ronnie can skip her and we can yeah Ronnie right, can skip her well. no, right. why do you yeah. why, why did a 400 meter ones with us and he need pink well it's just because um, I'm away now the whole of um, okay. thing and then I just thought I want to set a date so obviously I won't train for a whole month yeah but um, are I'm, you going to wear a wetsuit no yeah Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 yeah, it yeah. doesn't count. No, but there's a category where it does count. So. <laughs> Soft I'm, category. I, I'm doing the wetsuit. I'm going to do it without the wetsuit. No, no, no. <laughs> you know what? It's just the first time I want to do yeah. it, finish it. And also, yeah. I mean, I haven't, I started training in 
December. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't really have oh, but you know, you, that endurance. Uh, yeah, but with I the mean, swimming. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the triathlon, I did, a, I did the 3.8 swim on the Sunday in the wetsuit, and I did like an hour. An hour yeah, that's, that's, that's fun. Well, it was three, it was actually short, it was three, five. But I mean, wetsuit. Still decent time, wetsuit. Wetsuit is just like a floating it's steam like a train. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, a Roscoe, Roscoe actually in the Ironman, he came top 10 in the swim. Really? Yeah. In my age group. Yeah. Well, age group, but still. So what age group, yeah? 30 to 34. Four, oh, that's 30 five. to 34, yeah. Oh, so how many hours are you putting in? Are you still training hard? Uh, no, we've, we've slacked off a little bit, but before we were doing about 5,000 k's a week. 5,000 meters a week. At least 5,000 meters in the pool a week. Yeah, yeah. A week. yeah. So that's with some open waters. It's five, 5k a week at least in the pool. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've now entered, well, we're entering the Austrian 70.3 just before Raji's wedding. Yeah. The 1st of September. Awesome. Good. Yeah, so, so we're going cool. yeah. to pump that. Are you right? coming to Greece? Hmm? Are you coming to Greece? Well, maybe. Well, Where were we? Where, yeah, where were we? We diverged. No, wait. So oh, we, we, we still had on mutual, but so obviously you're dipping your toes into like mutual. He's working oh, on mutual, oh, right, but obviously right. doing adventure. I mean, I remember even organizing, or was it Mitch that organized that whole thing with the Stormers? And we went away, and no, like that, was, a, that was actually Xavier. So that oh, was Xavier, yes. Xavier who ran. Did that kind of adventure camp? Yeah. I remember that. He, Xavier actually won um, Camel Trophy for South Africa. So okay. cool. when it switched to the boating, remember the the last Camel Trophy was a, they actually did it on ribs. Yeah. So if you search for him, Camel Trophy, Xavier Skippers, yeah, him and another South African, they That's actually won that. Like so, what, so what is this? I'm not familiar. Xavier who? Skippers. So you know, do you know um, Camel Trophy? The, remember the famous, this thing? So you guys are so young. <laughs> so like, I was born in 1993, yeah, just, that, yeah. just to put it so, in perspective. So the Camel Trophy was like this incredible thing where they used to get these national teams, guys who'd compete oh, all around the world. Oh, this is such a cool picture. Yeah. It was like a... Four by four underwater, yeah, just for the yeah. listeners. And then there, you see there, that, that picture there was... This one's a boat. Eh? No, no, no. So that's the original Camel Trophy where they would take these things like Tonga. And I mean, you had all these obstacles and it was next level. And yeah, then, I remember that. Then someone pulled out of the sponsorship and they went... That, that, that one is the one that Xavier was at with the Camel Trophy. With the, boats. the boats. Oh, wow. So you had to navigate and compete and, you know, yeah. all these physical exercises. Guys, we've got to enter Jeez. some adventure races. Yeah. Um, this is like, I mean, I'm yeah. amped. Yeah. It's actually, it's a thing. The mental part of it is what is like yeah. fears instilled me just from trying to get through it mentally. Just because we don't know, you know, we haven't crossed that bridge. When we did the 70.3, there was a yeah. bit of fear within me. But now to do it again, it's, what exactly. a breeze. Exactly. So yeah. it's interesting. I think you just got to get into it and do one. Yeah, and the amazing thing with that, of course, is that you've you've all got to finish, right? Yeah. And so there's that whole dynamic of managing the, weaknesses the team and teams, and also wait until someone makes a navigation error and you go five hours the wrong way, and then you find out and you got to go five, five hours back. back just oh, to well. get we have uh, you have your nav, bro. It'd be great. <laughs> I'm great at navigation. Yeah, well, there, there we go. go. Navigating there office out there. Two Atlantic crossings. Yeah. Yeah, we got it. Okay, so take us into the cinematography. Yeah. Okay. Because um, then you were like, obviously, I decided to get behind the camera. It was kind of like, I remember the first kind of underwater cameras you got. It was like... Yeah, I remember those. I had the yeah. yellow housing. Yeah, the yellow from, housing. From Duncan. Like what year were we in now? Um, well, I think I remember <clears throat> I, I got a bonus at Old Mutual and I ended up buying a, like a handicam, which I filmed a lot, you know, the boys and filmed... Just generally, and I ended up buying an underwater housing for it, which I took on that marine track, and I still got all the footage, and it's pretty, it's pretty cool. But I think, I think that was just 
that there was nothing really intentional about that, you know. I mean, my grandfather was a very good photographer. My dad was kind of interested in it. Um, but really what happened was is that I, I kind of, you know, people say you're so brave for leaving corporate. To be honest, I reached a point where I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. Like, I just, the thought of sitting in an office and talking about market share and who owns the customer and, you know. And, I mean, I was at a great company, good people. But for me, I just felt like, you need you know, more. Yeah. 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 So, so I resigned um, and didn't really know what I was going to do at all. I had no real idea. But, and it was actually an incredibly tough time because you, your whole sense of identity is so often wrapped up in what you do, right? I mean, yeah. what's the first thing people in South Africa say? What do you do? Yeah, what school you go? All the foreigners get so confused. They're like, "Why everyone asks you what school you go?" Yeah, <laughs> so true. It's kind of funny because I say, like in 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 Durban, it's like, "What school you go to?" In Joburg, it's, "What do you do? How much money do you make?" Yeah, in Cape Town, no one asks. So laid back. Did yeah. you see the waves on the weekend? Exactly, yeah. just chilled. But did you have a sort of like a, a base when you left? Because I think the biggest thing for a lot of people that are moving jobs or trying to look to make the next adventure is, you know, whether they're going to be financially stable or look after the family or just a, bit, a life base that you can sort of rest on for a while you try and find your next adventure. Did you have that or how did you No, well, that? I mean, this is the fundamental challenge. So I was obviously married to Debs at the time, Ryan's mom. And um, I mean, she was incredibly supportive in terms of, so she was obviously financially, she was earning good money and she was you know, very supportive of me sort of doing that so the plan was to kind of work a bit with her business but you know i knew that that was kind of like a short-term sort of thing yeah. um and that was a crazy thing is like i knew exactly what i didn't want to do but i didn't really know what i wanted to do but the amazing thing is that when you when you open yourself up right so you you've actually got time and this becomes a fundamental thing and this is where i talk to a lot of people trying to make the shift is that you know if you want to explore your own sort of path you need to have the time to do it which means you need to buy that time so mm. that's probably means freelancing because if you freelance then you can you know you can kind of structure your time a bit more yeah but when you're employed you know full-time it's so difficult or you've got to work at night right you've got to start your side hustle at night and you've got to do all that kind of stuff exactly <laughs> so um, you know, I was very fortunate to have to have Debs, and you know, unfortunately, our relationship. I think, and I think, to be honest, a lot of it was, you know, I had a I had a proper like. I mean, some people call it a midlife crisis. I just, I mean, I had a massive ego death. You know, to go from knowing exactly what I wanted, successful. Mm. You know, I mean, I was like right through my life. I just went after things, and then suddenly, you just like don't know what you want to do you know and then you honestly the worst question was going out and someone says what do you do yeah <laughs> no, it's just like you didn't have an answer no i was in a bad place how old were you at that point so how old was i right you must be like 34 okay so my old. age my oh, age yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. so 30 sort of 34 and um jesus crazy thing that like i must be like what 12 at the time yeah. Like, yo, yeah. it's crazy. I have two kids now. I couldn't even think about it. Like, you know, we like maybe yeah. starting our adventure yeah. in terms of the soon far away like, from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I met your mom when I was 28. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It's crazy. But I can resonate a little bit because I'm moving to London now and I'm looking for a job. And I sent my CV to a podcast studio and to a wealth management firm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, what am I actually exactly. doing? 
<laughs> yeah, but that's quite cool. It's like, but how do you feel? Like, how, what's like, where's your mind at? I don't like the wealth management's more for the stability and the financial angle. Like, I can't really keep myself living for longer than two months hmm. once I get there. Yeah. So I need the income, and that's what I've been doing for the last ten years. So it makes sense. I'll I'll probably get hired quicker, and that makes sense. Yeah. The podcast has been like a hobby and something that we're growing into. Passion and we're learning. Yeah. My CV would be my podcast, <laughs> not ten years of media experience. Yeah. so yeah. it's something I might chase in the background while you have this ability and that's why I asked it's kind of interesting like how did you segue yeah, yeah. well I mean remember as well as I I, I, um, I also had absolutely no attachment to any kind of physical thing I mean literally when so what happened was is I ended up um, I got it I actually remember we went to do that film with Didier oh so you, I think you did that at Barclays Oh, yeah, that's well. right. That's right. So that's Xavier, you kind of on an adventure. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I just, I've also celebrated yeah. Xavier. Like sounds like a legend. Really. Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Xavier. Xavier's a legend. So he ran this com- this company called One Eighty Degree Adventures, and I left Old Mutual, and he heard about that, and he asked me if I wanted to basically manage this team, lead a team that was going to be driving from all the way from London to Cape Town, basically. Yeah, so it was called Barclays Mile Ahead. It was like a corporate social responsibility program. Um, and it was amazing. You know, we, we had four um, uh, patrols, Nissan patrols, all kitted out. There, was, there were eight crew members. Um, and we, that's basically what we did. We flew to London. We had a massive opening at Barclays at the Canary Wharf there. Okay. Yeah. London, we drove all the way up through, um, you know, up to Scotland. And yeah. then France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, shipped across to Egypt. Um, Across the Strait, did you like to Tangier or from Europe? from Napoli oh, to from Napoli. Alexandria, yeah. Oh, okay. Naples, yeah. yeah, and then Naples, yeah, and then um, we had an issue with we did the Egypt thing, and then we had an issue with um, uh, we never went through Ethiopia unfortunately because the Garang's plane crashed and there was a whole crisis, so we ended up having to ship the vehicles to Mombasa, okay. and then we flew up to Kampala and drove down. So that was in, like an amazing again sort of just experience mm. you know and managing people man that was like that i knew that that was my biggest challenge was keeping those eight people intact you know because it's it's yeah. tough being you know yeah. you know like on boats yeah it's, <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> it's not easy <laughs> small, yeah. small quarters. and how long was that that trip journey that adventure? was about six months mm-hmm. um it's a lot of time eh? but it was you know we 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 yeah we sort of broke it up i think we had that break in the in between it was about a six-month sort of expedition, yep. which was you know really interesting. I met met some incredible people. I met Kenneth Kwanda. Um, no, it was an incredible. And, and during this time, was your head like, let's don't know what you still trying to figure things out? Were you like, you know, yeah, thinking you about, to the should I get back into the safety of like the corporate world or like where was your headspace at that time? So, if I recall, I mean, good question. I, I remember that's right. I did that expedition. I met actually Mike Wood on that trip. He was my cameraman, and he was quite into diving as well so i remember we went up to to um uh mozambique to try and do some filming with the sharks there and i just i bought an underwater housing and i just again i just i I was sort of naturally gravitating back to the things that i was good at Mm. you know that i was really that you had love for that you had love for yeah that had a passion for and i found i found management i found managing people i think i was okay at it but i found it it's, it's demanding, man. You know, you're surrounded by people. I'm, I'm quite a um, sensitive, and I, I can feel everyone's energy, man. So it's, it gets quite taxing, you know. The hardest job is being on the yachts as the captain, just managing the people. 
You're just managing the girl staff, the guy staff, the interactions. The yeah, must be it, tough. It's very yeah. tough. That's that's the hardest part of the captain's role. Yeah. Like driving the boat, easy. easy. Managing people, the hardest part. It's like on that trip, exactly the same thing, you know. So now I'm watching dynamics, seeing people getting annoyed, then I'm shifting which vehicles they're driving in. Mm. You know, you're trying to manage all of that, like that kind of thing. And it's, that, it yeah. gives you a testament to being actually a good manager if you can see that with your sensitivity level. It's actually a good trait to have. It is, but, it, it, but it's taxing on it's you. It's quite taxing, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was trying to sort of work all that stuff out. But to get back to your question, I think, I think, uh, you know, yeah, I, really what happened was is I got back in touch with my old spearfishing network, and that was the key. So all that time I'd spent as a spearfisherman not only helped me in terms of my ability to work closely with wild animals and understand the ocean and diving, but... I actually got work um, through Mark Addison on a BBC sheet. And that's kind of where the whole thing really kicked off because, you know, I got a, um, they needed someone with technology background to work like Photrons, high-speed cameras. And that's how I got my break because I worked with uh, for Hugh Pearson um, on a BBC program called Nature's Great Events. And I met Justin McGuire, who I'm great friends with today. We shot recently in the Falklands together. And Didier Nwaro, who was Jacques Cousteau's cameraman. Again, your generation has probably mm. never heard of Jacques Cousteau. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, know Jacques, I know Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> <laughs> and all the guys too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> and that was a sardine run, if I remember. So that was a sardine run. That was yeah. in 2007 uh, yeah. and eight, And uh, and that was like, you know, the way you get into this industry is is really through apprenticeship. It's a, it's yeah. an apprenticeship model. You, you, don't, you can't go and get a degree really in underwater cinematography or wildlife. And so, but you see also because I had a business brain, I was kind of looking at it and going, these numbers don't add up because, you know, you're a freelancer, you don't get paid that well if you look at the hourly rates. So I was, I was a bit unsure about it, but it was something that I could do. Um, and it, you know, it gave me a little bit of chunk of change and I was so excited about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just the most exciting thing to be part of. And then I remember on that first, um, that first one, there was a making of, which, actually a fantastic making of where you know which david attenborough narrated and you know he mentions my name and i mean i was just like you're just on such a high you think okay yeah, i made it yeah. you know I mean? that's, that's, so like, david, that's it it's all over <laughs> that's, that's that's just the beginning yeah. of the of the of your journey kind of the journey and and i remember that stuff. footage because there was so much wildlife i mean we're, we're not scared of the time like there's sharks coming through there's I heard dolphins you swam with crocodiles whales. I mean. oh that comes on door that's great <laughs> that's not coming that's because that's because that's, that's, that's who you met did you did the first time did you really i mean this guy is just he's one of the great in my opinion he's one of the great characters of you know underwater cinematography certainly of our generation i mean he's 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 65 now he's still charging um, and just such a great guy. I've never Sorry, what's so Didier's surname again? Uh, Noiro, which is black in French. Uh, Noiro. N-O-I-R-O. 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 That guy. Noir. Noir. So, in fact, that's my image there of him. Oh, well, sorry. So, there he is with Jacques Cousteau. So, you know, to sort of suddenly have this sort of mentor who is, you know what I mean? It was just the most incredible thing. Yeah. And, and, and it was just like, wow. And we, we really struck up a good friendship. Um, I think we, you know, we're very different, but we were a good, good team. Mm. And um, through him, he said to me, hey, you know, do you want to dive with crocodiles? And I was like, like okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> also, the worst thing is no one had ever done it before. Gone underwater with with crocodiles. So well, like, he had. Oh, had he? No, he had. And okay. also, there was a guy, Brad. In fairness, Brad Bestelink in. Who'd, who lives there, who'd also been diving with crocs. Really, but still unwa- uncharted waters, really, in essence. Where yeah. was it? In, in the Okavango. Can, can we talk about, like, how does it work? No, like, yeah, like, 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 honestly, for the viewers, like, give us, like, a, like a brief. <laughs> as, get a, as a viewer, you've got to watch a movie. It's Into the Dragon's Lair. It's petrified. I think, I think you can see it. I don't know where it is. Yeah, like, I was wondering uh, where, where you could find it nowadays. You can download it for sure. Yeah, I'm it. sure you could. Tell us about it. Um, no, so Didier had gone up there before, and he'd actually got in with a crocodile and i'd actually met in 2006 i'd gone up to a film festival in durban and i'd met craig and damon foster who we made mark was teacher with well um and they were keen to we were pitching to make a film they they my marine trekking thing they were really fascinated by and we were pitching to make this film called a drift where i was going to go and get on a raft off madagascar and then drift to south africa and then film the life underneath a boat and you know, the whole story you know like some sure, crazy sick. <laughs> but, <laughs> crazy but that never got we never sold that but then when i went with didier and showed them the footage that we got of didier with a croc they they got a commission almost instantly with a south african company um the director was sophie Varton, and yeah that was it we were like we were going and you know but we actually, Didier and I, so Didier and I went up in 2008 after the sardine run, took my vehicle up and, I, we, and we actually dived it ourselves. We, you know, we paid for the whole thing. And then with that footage, we got the commission to make a film called Into the Dragon's Lair. So we went back up in 2009 and had like a three-week shooting window. Yeah. And you go into the water. I mean, are you, you're not this thing could do anything so like what is, what's your mindset going into the water how do you keep the crocodile at bay while still sort of bro look at that video oh that's that thing is double the size of you but the so tail we got to post that the picture f- the foot is the size of him over yeah. look at that tail Dude, I <laughs> so are you almost not really worried like is that thing fast like is that gonna <laughs> take you, if that thing wants you it's going to take you down it's fast on land like unbelievably fast that thing will i mean craig was filming one in a pen somewhere and that thing came for him he says it nearly got him i mean he literally had to jump over the wall but under underwater you so so the whole premise of this is that you put them on the back foot okay so they're on the bank you come driving past in a boat and remember that these things used to be shot like in the 70s and they they live for a long time so they're wary of boats um so you kind of drive past and then you see it go in the water okay now it's got its little spot that it hides in so you've then got to go up current, get in, and then swim down and try and find it because it's, it's lying there somewhere. <laughs> Petrified. And that's, that's <laughs> the scary part because you don't know where it is. Is it dark? Yeah, so that viz there was pretty good. I mean, some of the channels, the viz is not so good. But in the main currents, like the bigger currents, hey, that, you're flying. Eh? And now you've got to, if you fly, if you swim into him, he's going to bite you. And, that's, and that, 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 that that's happened, happened to one, another team. Um, he, he moved his camera and Croc bit the camera. Oh, so it's 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 that confidence. It's you know it's like I don't know. It's like it's like anything. You've got to be confident and you've got to be calm and always two of you working together. Yeah. Um, but it's a rush. When you find that thing, it's like because because as you say, you're not quite sure what it's yeah. going to do. Is it going to come for you? And there was a colleague of mine had a crocodile come for him with its mouth open underwater. And he literally had to push. He had one of these big stick things. He pushed it to push it away. So, and that was apparently a relocated man eater. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh, wow. So it really liked the taste of blood. So it probably yeah. recognized the human or yeah. whatever. But as a general rule, that crocodile's yeah. wary. Um, but, yeah, that's the thing is you never quite know. And, and, you know, even having done it, I mean, I've done a few trips up there. It's still like as you edge around to the front, you're just waiting for him to, you know. Move, yeah. But generally underwater, they're pretty... Pretty, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty slow. I, I think all animals in the wild, like if you approach them carefully, I actually was listening to a podcast. They went to see the gorillas in Rwanda. Uh, and the guy was saying, when you're there, be quiet and do the, uh, and like that's, I come in peace. Uh, and they actually heard the gorilla do it back to them. Amazing. Crazy. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Jay Shetty was saying on his podcast, Incredible. like uh, they sense. took it easy. And then the thing came over him and went, uh, that means like come in peace and he walked on like no, that's crazy I'd rather go gorilla than crocodile that's yeah but still no, I think scary it's, it's the, that confidence that you approach these animals that you're not there to hurt them and you come in yeah, peace exactly and, and just being very you know calm and respectful yeah and that's always have you ever dove with a salty no so there was like talk of potentially doing one there but I mean those things are also pretty gnarly eh? those things are gnarly salty yeah. saltwater crocodile oh uh, okay so there's obviously uh, our crocodiles are all freshwater yeah. salties they're like they can get huge and they yeah. can go in freshwater and in saltwater yeah and they, they have a problem with Costa Rica like that they can go into the swell and they eat surfers yeah no they're big eh like, yeah when I surfed I was like so what sharks do you guys have they're like no be careful of crocs I'm crocs. like what <laughs> That's yeah. horrible. <laughs> so, to but, but there was an incident. We had a, unfortunately had a guy who, um, yeah, they went in and it all they just didn't handle it right, and he got bitten on the hand, and was in hospital for three three months. I uh, suppose as soon as you panic and something panics, the whole water panics and the crocodiles. I think it's just again. if you if you corner the animal or stress it or yeah. whatever, he's mm. gonna he's gonna bite it's a dinosaur. You. But if I remember as well, you didn't you get like also chased by like a hippopotamus on the one side? You got no, in we, and next thing it was a hippo that went charged. We thought it was a croc, but it was actually a hippo. Oh, really? oh, a small one, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy up there that we uh, on the Kubu Queen, which is the boat we operated off, he calls. Um, he calls them Satan's pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are intense. Yeah, and yeah. they're fast. Oh, you yeah. know how big they are? Yeah. I mean, that thing will literally stand almost as high as this roof. Yeah. No, they are like... It's and and they're, they're fast on land and in water. Oh, no, underwater. Have you seen them running behind boats? Yeah. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, they run go. under the water, which is yeah. great. Yeah. They, no, they run You see a bow wave coming after you. Yeah. yeah. That's like... That's crazy. Yeah, have, you, have you ever... Um, I don't know what the correct term is. It dove with um orca yeah up in norway um, that's what i would like that's probably one of my dreams yeah they, scare the living shit out of me but they're very they're not really engaging you know because mm. they they're so smart they just do a flyby generally mm. a swim pass or whatever but i mean it's a big animal they've never yeah. attacked yeah. a human in, in the wild but in they've the attacked wild. them in in, in the captivity captivity it's because they're in captivity it's like sour lemons and drag you under yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about the octopus teacher journey because obviously that was quite a well-renowned netflix mm. um hit hit uh, what was your sort of position there and how did you that whole scene yeah so that was it's an interesting backstory because Craig obviously I told you I mentioned yeah, I met Craig in 2007 so we made three films together Into the Dragon's Lair Touching the Dragon which is in Costa Rica and right. then another one which is like a 3D combination which which wasn't great um, but you know we became great friends and in around two, th- I think it was around 2014 um you know, I was really, I was just starting to break into the primary shooting seat. So up until then, I'd been an assistant. So that's kind of how it works. You just mm. do your apprenticeship and then eventually you've got to go like, I can do this. You know, I can actually be the primary camera operator, 
so the cinematographer. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, I just got some work, done my first shoot for the BBC, and then I heard about Blue Planet 2. So I pitched a story to them about the kelp forest because generally the way it works is that if you pitch a story and they go for it, then they tend to use you in As some capacity. Yeah. Well, in some capacity. Um, so it wasn't, it was just wasn't, the story wasn't that strong. So I called, um, I called Craig and I said, listen, like, you know, this is what I want to do. He said, Roger, I think I've got something. So basically he'd, he'd seen this armoring behavior. So we actually, and this is, you see, this is the cool thing. And this in a way is the lesson is, you know, this whole notion of like paying forward where you, 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 you invest ahead of the curve. You just, you give and you give and you give, and then, you know, Receive, you're not right. getting paid for your research. So I was so determined to crack this thing. And Craig was as well. Um, that we just decided we didn't even really have a commission. We had a kind of commitment from the BBC, but we just went and filmed as much as we could. So I think we ended up doing like between 40 and 60 dives together. Okay. That's driving out there, you know, the whole story. And we basically built an archive and that octopus that we shot for Blue Planet 2, which was in the, in the green seas, the armoring octopus sequence. Yeah. That's the same animal as the one, it's the same animal that Craig had the relationship with. So, so really what happened was is we, we used that archive. Okay, so there was the archive that we'd shot then that, that, that basically Craig and I owned. And when that sequence did so well in Blue Planet 2, Craig had the idea to make the film. And then from there, we, you know, we started to pull all the material together because he had you know, hours and hours of footage. So, yeah. So, it, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no. So it almost bounces between this old footage and then the really newer, newer footage in Octopus Teacher. You can see like, okay, this is a bit of an older camera in essence or this is like really new No, footage. no, no, no. So, yeah. so it's you, good, good point. But it's, you see, Craig was using like an Olympus, like TG Tough, okay? So right up until recently, he still uses it. Okay. So that's the point is, is that, you know, the bulk of that footage came from that period, and in that those two years we filmed it, in that period we had that, that interaction with that one animal, which was so rich because you get so much material. It's crazy. Um, so that was the bulk of it. But then I did one day of shooting to get shots of Craig swimming, you know, because obviously you've got to yeah. make a film now. We yeah. had no intention of making the film then. So, mm. so some of the stuff of him swimming and, you know, going into the water, that's obviously recreated. But the all that original material was from that period that we shot. Interesting. So, you know, it just shows you how, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to... To, to, to just, go after it. Just go for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that whole relationship with the octopus is still mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy, yeah. No, I mean, Craig's a unique hero, and that is Craig. They're like, that's 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 what he's like. He's, I mean, in fact, he's, you know, Craig, um, uh, the director who came in to um, film him, did such a good job of actually making him accessible two people um james reed he did chimp chimp empire and um guys yeah, was very great yeah, yeah. so does him and pippa Ehrlich that were the sort of pippa works on it primarily with craig but the problem is when you're working on something so closely you need sometimes need that distance yeah so yeah um so james came in and yeah that's his jago life underwater rise of the warrior apes yeah um patrick and the whale those are sperm whales that's the sperm. Yeah. yeah. What whales are you going to see now in 
Norway. Norway. Can't say. I'm not Norway. Are you Greenland? Can't say. <laughs> <laughs> Secret project. We were hoping to do you heard a chair first. <laughs> but can we can we say where we're going in Greenland? I, I don't think, given, honestly you don't no, know. Honestly don't know. We're going okay. it's But it's for a new movie. It'll be West Coast, yeah, it'll be for a BBC um Very BBC cool. series, yeah. Which is And so did that opportunity to launch you into like getting a lot more jobs? Like does BBC now recognise you and be like, Okay, I want you like to head this more often or the shout out from David Attenborough what are you talking about no. <laughs> yeah no not really I mean the, the I think it's it's interesting because it's such a niche industry like you only there's only so many of us doing it and, and you said there were two of you over here no there's I mean there's no there's way more than that but there's you know in terms of like the number of people that are, are recognized as like high end blue chip okay, okay. you know there's I mean 20 you know in the world so mm. and there's this is underwater so I think I think it was more um, Blue Planet Two, and also remember you get work from the community. It's like you just need to know a small bunch of a network of people. You can only do three or four, maybe five shoots a year. Yeah. You know? So so that was kind of really. So I think Mark was teacher. The nice thing with that was that because my name was up front, I got a lot more recognition. Because when you shoot for like I did Our Planet, and mm. I mean there's just this list. You, you the primary um, cinematographers will be listed. There's normally five of you. Or four of you or five of you, depending. Mm-hmm. But then there's obviously a lot of other people that contribute to mm-hmm. It's such a massive production. So you don't really get the recognition. But I think what that did was, you know, it was wonderful to to get that. But, I mean, what was incredible, guys, was the the feedback we got eh, from, from that film. No, it was know, huge. Yeah. People talking about how they were wanting to commit suicide. They watched the film and they decided not to. And, I mean, incredibly yeah. moving testimonials from people that – and that really is credit to the to the the storytelling. You know? Yeah, Craig is an incredible Craig. So yeah, just insane storyteller. And with Pippa, and then obviously with James, how that combination was just yeah to get it. It out. was just it was like a perfect storm, right? Yeah. It was like COVID. It was like mm. all these things that came together, and yeah. it was just pitch perfect, and it just resonated with the gestalt. And I think that's that's so rewarding is when you contribute to something that actually. Mm. Get you know when 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 Bart's, when they're doing a Bart Simpson on you, then you know okay, like we've made it, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah that's, that's, that's the Simpsons out there. That's and of course, the, my octopus, my creepy teacher was genius. Yeah, <laughs> that was Glenn. Yes. That was Glenn. Craig loves that thing. It's legend. Yeah, we actually he went to school with me. He was a couple years old. Yeah, he was here by me. That thing was crafted. I mean, a lot of work went into that. No, he's he he was an amazing actor even at school. I remember at Stedford, he used to crack a whole sort of stage up. Yeah, it's funny. We can have him on. Shout out. Proper stuff. So then, what's next? What's the big plan? Well, I think, I mean, one thing I must just mention is that in, yeah, I worked, a very cool project I worked with in 2019 was the Apple Screensaver project. So we actually, you know, the Apple Screensavers you get on your ass, I don't know, you guys on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know now, you like get the planet, the, new, the planet, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. that's so what I have. Myself and Roger Munn shot all the underwater. Oh, so in fact, the kelp, there's kelp and there's uh, um, seals from from. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So is that you? I always wondered. You wouldn't be fascinated with the kelp, yeah. Uh, yeah. the kelp fields, because yeah. they are beautiful. I mean, and we did stuff in California. I went to Alaska and did the jellies there, so that okay. was cool. And then really, and for the last, I've been working on a big series for Netflix called Our Oceans, which is going to be the sister series to Our Planet, and that okay. comes out end of the year. 
Uh, uh, War comes out September, October. So that's something to look out for. Amazing. That's going to be Beautiful. pretty special. That's uh, Jonathan Smith was the series producer, James Honeyborn, the exec. And yeah, I worked on that kind of exclusively for two years, which was oh, wow. such a great experience. And that was all the, all the oceans? Yeah, I did. I worked on all of them bar the Antarctic. As well, I said, the Southern Ocean was must be hectic. Um, yeah, I've been down to Antarctic. It's, it's next level. Have Crazy. you seen that documentary of the guy doing the Iron Man in Antarctica? I, I saw I haven't watched it, but I've seen it. It's Project Crazy. Iceman. Yeah, Project yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one. Uh, yeah. Another mental hardship. He took him 34 hours or something in no, a, it's a, a blizzard. He cycled 200 meters back and forth for 180 k's. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. eventually, because oh, he, he had a 4K course, and then they didn't pack the, the snow, and he was like in a, like a fat bike, and he kept yeah. on falling over, and then they packed the ice, and he did 200, 200 meters, meters. 200 meters. Oh, my. Brit, it's wild. You'd watch it. That's, That's like crazy. that guy. Who's that Brit, man? That guy? The uh, runner. He, no, you're the swimmer. The swimmer. Russ Edgley. Russ Edgley. Uh, swam around the UK. Uh, but he did, he did Everest on a um, gym rope. You know the gym rope? Uh, the, pull, the pull where you pull yourself up yeah, yeah he did yeah. the heights of Everest he did 8,000 meters in 24 oh, wow. hours on that I mean it's nuts no, he's I mean, he's crazy, crazy. and then yeah. there's that hard geezer that's running across Africa oh, oh yeah oh, I haven't seen it oh you must check him out on, on Instagram he's running the whole of Africa he's almost finished really yeah, yeah he's been running 50k a day for 234 what's days. his real name I don't know the hard 52k's a day 50k's a day yeah. sure your body can't. I mean, Ross Cook, Cook. can't be good. No, no, he's, he's a Brit. Brit, Brit, Brit guy. And every time he hits a border, he has a problems. No, he's, uh, he got abducted at oh, one wow. stage. So he's in running like, the whole length of Africa. Is, yeah. uh, I actually have seen this. It's no. like Mike Horn when he got when he's going through to Amazon. He got hooked up with all the drug lords and then he got yeah. killed. Um, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah no, Mike Horn. I mean, this guy's pissing blood on the daily. Like, it's, oh, just, it's like, not elegant. It's not so, on a mission. Yeah. On a mission to become the first person ever to run the full length of Africa. Yeah, he's in Nigeria now, so he's right at the top. He's good. Okay. He started yeah. Cape Town. Or? Yeah, oh, really? somewhere down south. Yeah. 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 And in terms of underwater um, like encounters, I mean, I remember you. Uh, you were like kind of charged by a bull shark back in the day? Yeah, that was just, again, part of spearfishing. You know, they get very revved up and kind of charge you. In. But I remember, didn't you say you'd been, you like pushed away with the camera? I think that was in the beginning, early stages when you started like yeah. taking it for no, the No, I mean, you, you, get, you get buzzed like that, but I mean, it's, it's just sort of part of the... Buzz, though. Part, part of the dream. I remember seeing a photo where there was like 20 bull sharks like circling. And, like, and no, you, was, I think you were free diving at that stage as yeah, well. Yeah, that was up in the pinnacles with Barry Skinstead up in Mozambique. I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. I saw one shark and I was like, oh, <laughs> behind the instructor, like, oh, yeah. can't, can't be behind it. But it's kind of what you get attenuated to, you know. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I guess if you know what you're doing, you're kind of calm in the water. I mean, look what Ocean Ramsey does, swimming with great whites. Mm. Yeah, that girl. Yeah, the ocean. Yeah, the, yeah she's a Hawaiian. So those tigers you, or grapefruits? No, she no, swims with great whites. She does all of them, yeah. I mean, yeah. We did a, we've done some pretty cool sequences now in Plet with those whites. Oh, really? Um, that, there'll be a sequence in, in, uh, in our planets, oh, sorry, our oceans. And then, uh, oh, Blue Planet 3, sorry, yes. Planet Earth 3. At episode 1, episode 1. Yeah. I actually watched it the other day for the first yeah. time. There's a lot of, there, I couldn't believe how many juvenile great whites are actually yeah, cruising up insane. there for the seals. Insane. Really? Like hunting in packs now almost. Do you go in the water as well? Or was yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that's scary. It's quite, quite amazing. I mean, shell, it's like this deep, eh? Yeah. And they keep trying to get behind you. They are insane, those things. They just keep, they, they swim off and then you look around and it's coming back this way. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a complete ambush predator. They, they want everything in their favor. Oh, really? They don't just swim in and smash you. They watch and they look and they test and they show themselves and 
and make sure that you're blind, dumb, and stupid, and then they smash it. <laughs> so that's why I've always told surfers, like, put stickers on the bottom, like, ah, stickers on the bottom. In fact, I think there's someone selling them commercially. On the bottom, oh, really? on the bottom no. of the board. Totally. We, we actually just had a pro surfer on last week. Or was it last week? I think yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I did see that. And he was saying you got circled and like yes. circled and yeah. then came closer. And he's like, what is this? little cloud. And they're like, oh, it's a great watch. And, and just jump in like, the water and swim at it. That's what you must do. Is it? Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not, you know, they don't expect that. That's, yeah. they, a shark does not being look, like being looked in the eye. Already? No, I mean, when I'm filming them, if you, so if you want them to come in, you look away and you like you do this and then you kind of like, and then when you're ready, you move in. And then he slowly turns away. So you give it the side And then eventually he gets closer and closer. And then you've got to like, you know, maybe give him a, give him a, be a bit more aggressive. Yeah. And, oh, they're incredible. And it's like, you see that thing and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have a heart attack. Just no, no, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to ask you quite a broad question because talking about David yeah. Attenborough and stuff. The relationship between nature and mankind and like where are we going in terms yeah. of, what's your sort of view on that? I know it's, I've tried to, think about thinning that yeah. question down in my head but i couldn't because he obviously released that movie on how yeah. nature's sort yeah. of deteriorating and humankind <laughs> over what's your sort of view being so in love with nature well i think being i mean <clears throat> i don't know I'm, i might be a bit controversial in this but i mean we are animals so what we're doing is natural you know oh, so it's 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 massively problematic and it's very destructive to to all the species but i mean nature you know we are we there's nothing special about humans we just more symbolic and we better at like you know, re-engineering our environments. But what, I mean, essentially we are natural beings, right? We're mm. just doing what, what we do. Yeah. The thing that is terrifying for me is, I mean, the planet's going to carry on, but we are definitely going to wipe ourselves out. I think, I think there's, I think there's going to be, I mean, if you look at the projections, you know, the, just with, with, with global warming and, and it's all premised on consumption, our capitalist society, consumption, you know, the carbon complex, there's no ways we're going to stop. We are so addicted to carbon. Mm. It's like we can't get off the meth. Like there's no... <laughs> <laughs> oh, carbon crunches. Yeah. No, and I think, I think it's going to take a cataclysmic change before we go, okay, holy shit, like this is a problem. Mm. Because, yeah. you know, I grew up, I was lifeguard at Durban Surf so mm. when I was a kid. And I remember we used to go there. You get there early in the morning and, you know, tides out and the families come and they put their beach towels and everything and then the tide starts coming in and they just lie there and the tide comes in and then and then the wave is like this far from their foot and they just lie there with their kid and everything the next minute a big one comes and just washes everything the baby the all everything is and they're all screaming and running around it's like you know and that that for me is symptom that kind of a symbolic of that we we know yeah. what's what's happening we just everyone's ignoring it yeah. things are changing you yeah. know it's like and, and the technology's Donald, there. Sorry, and you got so, Donald Trump just like saying, oh, it doesn't exist. No, you like, see, that's the denial. I mean, that's the scary thing. So yeah. I think, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to, but I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it just, to be human is to be a destructive force in nature. It's just the nature. It's like a part of, it's part of the definition of what is to be human. And I think that's the really interesting thing. I'm, I've been toying with starting a project called um, Rethinking what it is to be human because that's kind of what like we we need to do it on a deep software like operating system level right like it's it's no good just yeah you know what we're doing is just rearranging the deck tears in the titanic uh, uh, as agent smith says in the matrix we're a virus we're the only thing that consumes and consumes just keeps on growing yeah, <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you have a sort of 
idea of what it is to be human if you had to like write the first paragraph of that book well i think i think to be you know what it is to be human i mean if you look at the if you look i mean there's obviously a whole lot of assumptions that have driven the evolution of especially capitalism and the modern notion of the self you know um human rights these are all constructs right i mean they didn't exist for for a long time but um what, what I think is important is to try and rethink what it is to be human within the systemic limits of the planet because we operate with a whole set of assumptions that it's just endless, you know, and we can just keep going. And again, you know, I don't know if you guys you know, remember the pool we had. If you don't look after that pool, it's great quick. And that's, that's the law of, what's the law of entropy is that unless you, you know, everything decays unless you stop it from decaying. Mm. So, yeah, I think, I think that's the really interesting question is how do we, does it mean you stop having kids? Does it mean, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very challenging yeah. thought. It's yeah. very complex. But if you're in a, if you're in a um, it's a bit like the elephants in, in Botswana, you know, there's, there's too many of them. You have yeah. to cull them. Mm. But that's such a contentious sort of issue. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of alternative technologies, but I mean, I just think the whole, the prevailing in our whole mindset and also we have this incredible confidence in technology to solve all our problems you know it's doing all this stuff yeah. I don't know man yeah. it's like yeah. I mean I really hope it does sort of happen but yeah, I think your generation is going to be I think I'll be dead by then so that's fine but it's hectic because your kids yeah. you know it's yeah. Yeah. and you can see the documentaries coming out like Cowspiracy the beef's bad you know there's a lot so of, much yeah. methane gas getting released by them and then there's like the, the palm oil you know that's just taking up so much land yeah. and but it's it's so hard to like get your head around there and also to like yeah. because also these things like I like my Toyota Hilux like I like my boat yeah, you know, I like flying places. You know, so it it, it it's it just aren't really there. You know, I mean, the alternatives are coming, but it's not it's easy. It's a complex yeah. thing to. But you can see the the I mean, the shift. seasons are shifting slowly. Um, some oh, yeah. you know, like the, the snow the other day. One well, last year, there was no snow in Switzerland. It was so unheard of. Um, no. It's we're getting our hottest days in the world ever, getting some coldest yeah. days on the opposite end. It's like, yeah, yeah you can see there's that a, slow There's shift. actually a great book, which I can't recall the name of, but I'll, I'll share it with you. You can share it with the listeners. But it's it basically, Hugh Pearson actually sent to me, it, it takes, it's written from the year 2090, as if 2090, so it's science fiction. But it, it basically starts, it goes back to 2019, I think, when it was written. So that's all proper data. And then it extrapolates it out and then sort of invents what, what happens. Okay. And the fundamental thing is they say, well, how is this collapse of Western civilization? How is it that they knew what was happening and yet they did nothing about it? Mm. That's the fundamental question they try and answer. And they explain that in the book. And it's, it's, very, it's very compelling. But That's I mean, you're talking about like by 2050, 2060, like a billion people displaced by sea level rising. So like Cape yeah. Town, Africa becomes a desert. A desert. Like you, can, you don't want to be living in in 2050 it's yeah. not far off eh? yeah, yeah I was going to no, say it's is that, far off yeah. so it's you know years like, and this is like factual like proper statistical modeling it's not yeah. like Mickey Mouse yeah. stuff so yeah. Yeah, I hope it's not the case but I mean where, you know, where are we seeing any proper action I mean you know it's just everything's it's just lip service it's yeah. like, yeah, like Gert what's his name the Hans Gretel no Oh, yeah, Gertrude. Gertrude. What's her name? Did you say Hans Gretel? <laughs> I'm trying to get there. <laughs> no, it's uh, Ge- Greta Thunberg. Greta, Greta Thunberg, yeah. 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 She's, she's been incredible. trying for years. She's trying. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. incredible. It is tough out there. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Your questions, it's, a, it's one I get asked a lot. And it's, 
it's such a tricky one because people don't really it's we found this in is the it called the gap 2090 a new earth book no look look, look for the collapse of western civilization science fiction but as um, David Attenborough mentioned in those like um, those fish free zones, like where nature almost bounces back, you okay. know. So a hundred percent. So MPAs. I mean, I've done some work for Pristine Seas, which is an American organization that that's what they do. They go around the world, they find these pristine areas, they put a business case together for governments, and then they get declared as an MPA. Mm. Incredible. They're like quite under the radar, but mm. they. Um, and I mean, there's no doubt that it'll bounce back. But this is my point, Ryan, is that. Mm. We're going to wipe ourselves. That's the one. Collapse of Western civilization. We're going to wipe ourselves out, and and the jellyfish and the. But it's just it's the, just such an unfortunate legacy, you know. To, yeah. I mean, did you that smell? Did you smell those cat? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, that's just. I mean, the, the, the I actually like I can't the trauma yeah. that goes behind Those. going to Woolworths to get your like beef. Yeah, dude, you, you start thinking about that shit, you actually want to jump off a cliff. So do you yeah. have a do you have a little bit of a story of what those animals were doing here? Yeah, they came. They, yeah. they came from somewhere in Asia. No, they came from Argentina. Argentina. Oh, they came from and Argentina. then they were going to be shipped to the Middle East. Correct. And the reason why they weren't killed and then shipped in like meat packs is because of the way they want to traditionally kill them Salal. in the Middle East. Exactly. So they want to like exactly. cut okay, them. Okay, gotcha. So they have to be live. It can't be like you know come in a vacuum pack. Dude, and uh, so I mean, think of the trauma that those no, cows are going no. through, like at sea with the smell. Like, I saw the, the pictures. The meat can't be that good once eventually gets. And I mean, you know. That the I think that I can't recall the exact stats, but it's I think David spoke about it either in there or in one. But I mean I think it's like five percent of the biomass, animal biomass, is wild animals. The rest of it's all domestic. Five percent is sure. wild. And that is crazy. I think you know I could be wrong, but it's it's like it's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, I, I went to on the, on the, one of my yachting adventures, I, I captained a boat just just west of uh, Papua New Guinea. Okay. So I went quite far okay. into the Indonesia. Yeah. It was like um, Pastrakata, Makassar, and then yeah. Sarong, and then yeah. it took like a two-hour boat ride even further down. I, I wish I had just the name just eluded me, yeah. but it's an amazing diving resort. Yeah. It's like known for it, and that was a, a no-fish zone. Not and, uh, Masul. Uh, Rajampat. Raja Ampa. Raja that, Ampa. That's I've the name. It's amazing. It's awesome. Oh my word. But like yeah. the wildlife. Like they have we the most carrying, biodiversity in the world there. We went sailing and next thing was just this pot of dolphins that came by. And I saw as far as my eye could see, they were just jumping around. I was like, this is the biggest pot I've ever seen. And then there were like uh, yellowtail just I mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 cruising around. Might be tracking the dolphins. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean it's it's. There's no yeah, doubt that's that's, it was. You know, beautiful. Yeah, they say this the biggest one of the biggest. Sorry to interrupt. One of the biggest diver. Biodiversity yeah. underwater yeah. in the world. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Now, I mean, you That's know, nature is it's, it's unbelievably resilient and it will bounce back. But we're just doing a fantastic just job of you know, trying it to keep it. It'll, it'll bounce back without us if it needs to. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. again, you know, if you think of it from that perspective, we are natural. So, like, what we're doing is what it's kind of, you know. But we're the ones who are going to suffer. Mm. And obviously, that's, the animals are suffering massively as well. But it's, yeah. it's going to bite us eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see it already with people living in cities and not getting out there and then get trapped in your life of mm. screens and not great for the mental clarity. Yeah. And how's your, and, and how's the mental game now in terms of uh, like obviously doing what you want to do? Yeah, you obviously getting, made the right call. Becoming yeah. all these adventures. Well, I mean, it's, this is, you see, this is the interesting thing is that I'm kind of already on another pivot because already. I feel like I've really, you know, like I love my craft, um, but now 
I haven't solved the money problem. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I've only got so much time. So this is an interesting thing when you get to my age, you kind of go, geez, okay, you start to see the, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. so, yeah. so that, that's a big motivation is to get a bit smarter about, you know, how I create value and, mm-hmm. and monetize that. And then also, yeah, I mean, you know, my mom died last year from, really from cancer and uh, she was a brilliant teacher. She taught for like 45 years. So I'm kind of, it's funny, I've just got this like feed desire to, you know, share and learn and help it's just it's just like a thing it's kind of partly because of my mom but also just it's such a cool thing to do you know because there's so many people out there that and you you know you don't have to be an expert you just have to be a little bit ahead of people to help them right so Mm. that's something i'm really really looking at and it maybe stems from those good mentors that you had before as well that you were working under yeah i think so i mean i'm keen to do it um obviously in that capacity, but also try and, you know, do it online and sort of leverage it and that kind of thing, mm. which will kill two birds with one stone. But, but it's a mindset, you know, it's about reaching out. And that's the great thing with the internet is, I mean, I can run, you know, I just can reach out to people and, you know, we can do calls. I mean, I've been chatting to quite a few younger cinematographers, just trying to understand what their challenges are. Obviously it's very niche. Mm. Um, but that's, that's like a big thing that I'm really excited about at the moment is, is kind of getting into teaching, you know, and, and exploring that. And obviously the craft, I'm pursuing it. And mm. the cool thing when you start to teach is you almost get better at what you do because you've got to, you've got to make it explicit. Ooh, that's um, interesting. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at. And then I've, yeah, getting strong again, um, did the triathlon. Oh, I'm loving it. I don't know if it's like, it's that, I think Olympic distance is my thing. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a racehorse, not oh. a cart horse. Yeah, but you can, you, can race it. you can race a 70.3. It's a good distance. But that takes proper, you know, it's yeah, time away from family. Fair it's, enough. It's yeah. too much. But. What about the DC? Are we going to do that in November? I'm getting my leg all sorted for that. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I'm weak. I mean, my, my what's it? My FTP functional threshold yeah. power is what like is 212 at the moment. That's not so terrible. That's not no, terrible. No, no, it's kike. It's <laughs> a- <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I, got, I got dropped this morning, so don't worry. Did you? Where? For the prisoners in love? No, I did uh, Savage. Savage this morning. Oh, you did Savage. See, the, thing, the, gets dropped the big the thing that, that I've got to watch is, because I'm older, is, is that whole Maffletone method and the whole 80-20 rule, which I'm sticking to. So what's, well, what's that? that? So the Maffletone method is basically, and it's, I mean, you, you, you guys need to think about it as well, is that basically you need to do 80% of your training in zone two. Yeah. Uh, because yes. guys, this is what happens. You go for a ride and it becomes yeah. a big dick fest. Everyone's fucking racing each other. That's this morning. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And you end up actually, you're training, you're not training well and you're yeah. actually damaging your heart. Yeah. And all yeah. Kind of crap. It's so, so funny. Cause I train on my own now. That's yeah. why I just like, I don't, because every time I go with someone, you know, and you can't help it. Eh? Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Want, you want to change. You, you, you want to beat your mates. Yeah. You know. So, so true. So, yeah. so I'm really enjoying that, 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 that aspect of it. Yeah. Training. And so, yeah, maybe we'll, Maybe we'll see. We'll race. We'll do a sprint. Cool. Give, a sprint. Me, a, give me a yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. No. Well, and definitely, I mean, when I come back, I want to, I'm keen to do the Robin Island. So, How yeah, long I'm keen for Robin Island. For? Uh, for good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, when I come back for all that, I'll be No, we can do it. I mean, we, yeah. we totally can do it. Um, so, we have run our course anyway on that, on that note. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. No, that, that was amazing. epic. Yeah. But before, what an honor before you go, uh, we do like to put the guests on the spot and just ask for a little bit of a motivational piece or maybe some mm-hmm. advice for someone that's at, in that moment mm-hmm. at 35 looking to move from that job, looking to chase a dream. Like, what sort of 
message would you share with them? Okay. So I think, I think the thing is you've got to be absolutely maniacally focused about doing that thing. Like you've got to want to do it more than anything. And, you know, cutting back on your expenses, just being able to have that kind of freedom is obviously critical. If you can find a way of cash flowing it, like with a freelance job, that is so the way to go because then you've got the time, you've got more time to focus on other things. But you, you, you do not want to be 65 and regret not having tried. Rather try and fail, like and fail spectacularly. You can always get a job again. Like yeah. seriously, like you, you know, if you're half, you can get a job. But you, 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 know, you absolutely need to try because then there isn't that sense of what if, could, I should have. It's like, okay. And often when you try something, it's this big theme I've got. You know, we, we all often are in love with the idea yeah. of something rather than the thing itself. Mm. You know, so you think, oh, you know, it's like a relationship. You think, oh, it's going to, but you only know what that thing is like. So until you try building a company or doing something, you, you, you actually don't know. And so you've got to try because then you have a much better sense of, and you might not like it. You might want to go back to corporate and that's hundred yeah. yeah. percent. But at least you don't have that regret of like, you know, I never try yeah, I never I tried. Tried. I give it a go. You do not want to be that angry 65 year old. You regrets. And that, that is, a, you know, that less, there was that book or that, that nurse wrote this. She was, she was like, she assisted oh, the message. She, every time she asked the guy. Yeah. And like what hospital. their biggest regrets yeah. were. Oh yeah. Worked yeah. too hard. Didn't spend enough time with my friends, yeah. you know? And it's like, so yeah, it's very, very intriguing. Beautiful. There it is. That was great. Yeah. That Thank was you great. so that much. Was much really cool. Amazing podcast. And cool. yeah, give it a try guys. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. See you next cool. time. Cheers guys. Sure.